Welcome to the Craving Consciousness Podcast. I'm Brandeline Johnson, a rule-breaking, nature-loving, law of attraction junkie who is a lifestyle entrepreneur, psychic medium, spiritual business coach, educator, and author. Each week, I will bring you a guest or a topic that will help you to awaken to your gifts, align with your soul's purpose, and ignite your lives and businesses. We don't follow the masses. We are consciously creating our evolution. Get ready to have the best human experience every day. So today on the podcast, I am so excited to have my friend, um, meditation mentor, and the beautiful goddess, Rodasi Campbell, on here with us. How are you today, Rodasi? Brandeline, thank you for inviting me. I'm doing good. I got extra time in meditating today. And, you know, I even put some lipstick on, even though nobody can hear me. I just feel so excited. <laughs> well, they could, they could hear your beauty, right? Oh, yeah. I said here, see. Nobody can see the lipstick, but that's how I'm feeling today. Like, it's a lipstick day, so. Awesome. Um, so I wanted to have you on here because the, the podcast Craving Consciousness is all about consciousness. And you are one of the first people that really got me thinking about the way that my mind moved. And it was so fascinating to me. I still quote so much of the stuff that I learned through one of your meditation programs and just getting to know you over the years. Um, so can you share with the listeners, you know, you know, what was your life like before you found meditation and, and kind of like walk us through the process of like what happened and, and where you're at now? Wow. Yeah, I can. Um, and I'm going to tell you, it's been, you know, we, we hear this mythic adventure. We see it in Star Wars or Harry Potter, um, you know, the the Hobbit and the, uh, those movies and books from J.R.R. Tolkien and um, Joseph Campbell did a whole series on myth. We've got lots of myths and legends and there's always, the story is always that the human goes on this adventure and is changed and then um, comes back to life. One of my favorite parts in The Hobbit is when the four travelers come back to their home and they're sitting at the pub and everybody's just doing life normal. And these guys are not the same people who left, you know, but nobody else knows that or, nor do they care, you know, like everybody's just sitting there. And I've felt that way so many times in my life, you know, and that is the true spiritual journey. It's not some big glamorous thing. And yet right now I'm at a place in my life where I've come back to live in my hometown and in a family home and being around people that I um, think family and old friends and community members that forged um, my, my seeking. And part of that was through pain. And um, I went through a lot of uh, trauma as a child. I was in an alcoholic home and I watched some terrible things happen and I was subject to those terrible things myself and was diagnosed with PTSD 
and uh, suicidal by the time I was 21. And not just suicidal, but I had attempted to take my own life as a young woman. I had experienced um, so many things in the home that were difficult. And then, of course, made choices um, you, when you're wired to feel like no one's taking care of you or you're not worth being taken care of. You, you don't take care of yourself either. And, and I love that Deepak Chopra talked about how the spiritual journey, even for folks who get into like drugs and alcohol and are seeking in those ways, God, they're seeking God in those ways. They're seeking a, a form of relief that only that, that um, in recovery is talked about, a God-sized hole that we try to pour relationships into with other people or um, shopping or gambling or eating or whatever, you know, alcohol and drugs. And it's not to say that one can't enjoy those things, but I certainly was trying to escape the pain of life and um, was trying to find the answer for why we are here and trying to figure out what the deal was because I went to church also. Thank goodness I had my grandparents uh, with me who taught me how to pray and their home was a safe zone for me as a child. So I had some sense of security and stability and consistency when I was able to be with them. Um, and I, so, so I came to meditation at a young age. I found a book at the age of 12. It was a yellowed pages book. It had, um, the cover was like cloth bound. It was like an old maroonish red color. And it just had this gold embossed uh, word on it that said two words that said Hatha Yoga. Somehow I knew how to say that. Nobody I knew did yoga. This was, you know, in the 80s, early 90s. It was in the 80s. And um, I started doing exercises out of that book. There were no pictures in it. It was very, very old. My mom didn't even know where it came from, but it saved my life in a, in a way that continued to save my life because, you know, Jesus and God, the, the God that I understood at that time just um, failed me in that I had this belief because of what I believed I was being taught that if I was a good girl, then... Um, then I wouldn't suffer. And if I was suffering, I deserved it. And man, I had a lot of suffering, Brandoline. So there was an immense amount of self-hatred. So naturally, by the time I was 21, I didn't want to be here anymore. The thing is, is that physiologically speaking, um, the, the brain gets so wired that it's very common that someone with that amount of trauma would want to take their life even earlier. Um, that, that a human soul just can only endure so much suffering. And so, and so I can, so here's how this went. Um, I found that book, but I didn't stay with it. I didn't have anyone around me encouraging me to do that. I, no one understood it. And in fact, sometimes um, when I would talk about the things I was doing, which was just practicing um, breathing techniques and meditation and, and yogic um, asanas to the best of my ability <laughs> as a 12 year old reading this book no google at that time and nobody around everybody thought that was just really weird goofy even maybe even satanist kind of stuff at that time so when i was 16 my mom bought me books on numerology and palmistry and um, yoga and meditation that did have pictures and I started to study those things as a way of trying to understand life still. I got really into mythology in school um, 
it helped me to find a place for all these different characters and all of the pain that a human being could en endure and just still in the middle of it at home, you know, and, and also making choices as a young woman that were putting me in harm's way that were, that were painful. And we all know that the teenage years can be extremely confusing and painful, um, whether you have come from a good home or not. But I know that everything happened for a reason. Everything, every situation, every character who showed up, every part of the trauma or, or whatever we want to call it came to me so that I would seek, vehemently seek, wanting to understand the meaning of life, why we are here. I love the name of your podcast, Craving Consciousness, because that's what I was doing. You know, that's what I was forced to do. Why are we here? What's the purpose of life? I was craving a reconnection to consciousness to understand where to put my attention so that I could know what they were saying in church was the peace that passeth understanding, that I could know a living experience of that rather than being so tuned in to the, the insanity that I was around. Uh, and I was homecoming queen my senior year in high school and I hated myself by then. I don't understand, apart from having compassion for other human beings, um, I wasn't a straight A student. I was involved in a lot of things that helped me to be out of my home so that I could be um, safe and active and doing productive things rather than um, in an environment where I just, you know, the pain was so big that I, I didn't want to be alive and I didn't want to be there for that. So, um, so next step was around that time, um, more pain ensued, more tragedy ensued as a young woman, leaving my parents' house, going out to try to figure out what college was about. And um, I experienced rape twice the first two years that I was out trying to do college. And lots of alcohol abuse on and off and um, pain and trying to figure out, was it counseling? Was it doing spiritual practices? What did I need to do? to get better, to stop having these things happen to me? What karma did I need to execute, you know, and get rid of? And I felt like it was all my fault all my life, you know? And so um, at that point, of course, having the youth that I had, and even though I had some beautiful connections to the divine at that point in time, I got to the point at 21 after the second, um, the second rape, that was actually involved three people, not just one, uh, I, where I was able to, my, my mentors, lots of people had opinions about what was going on with that situation that were, that were even more damaging to me, friends telling me that I needed to change my life and quit getting involved in tough situations. I didn't go to the police, I went to the doctor um, because I was harmed and I did wind up with an STD uh, from that episode, but I didn't have the self-esteem, nor did I have the support around me to go to the police. I did find some um, healing from those situations face-to-face -face with those human beings um, that happened in different ways later on in life, which were important. But more importantly than that, after that suicide attempt, my spiritual mentors approached me in a way that was loving, unconditional, and cosmic. 
where they weren't talking to me like this young girl who was all messed up. They were talking to me like this soul who had chose to come here, chose to experience everything that I was experiencing and that I did have a purpose, that I had a purpose here and that um, I could choose to leave if I wanted to. But <laughs> there was a lot of joy and beauty waiting if I decided to stick, stick around and that I could choose to stick around and um, do it the hard way which I thought, which for many people is, they think is the easy way, you know. Or I could just, it was um, hard initially, but the truly easier path. It, does that make sense? It's like, we think that we're taking the easy road, but really it's the road of suffering and it's harder. But if we choose to get outside of our suffering and, and take risks, and discipline ourselves with spiritual practice, then we, uh, oh my gosh, physiologically rewire trauma is healed and new choices are made and karma is healed and new um, opportunities arise. And so I would say that I, those mentors gave me a book that turned me on to um, a real life teaching, which is the practice that I have now, this meditation practice is the bright path as shy as meditation techniques that I shared with you, Brandeline. I became a teacher. I went through two of their meditation trainings, actually, one in 1999. Um, well, actually it was 2001, but I lived in the community for a year. That was very, very soon after my suicidal episode, which was in the spring of two, uh, 1999. By the fall, I was in North Carolina, excuse me, that was the winter. By the winter, I learned um, the practice myself in November. And by right after Christmas, I was in North Carolina studying to become a teacher myself. Can now you, my whole family, yeah, go ahead. Can you explain, because you said the bright path and then you said Ashaya, is that what you said? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the Bright Path is the organization, the international organization that I studied with, study with still, and teach for, that I'm a trained and certified uh, experienced teacher of meditation through that organization. And Ishaya is a Sanskrit word that means for higher consciousness or for crystal clear consciousness, for Christ consciousness. It's um, a Sanskrit word that and really means it's our lineage. It's sort of our na lineage name. So Ashayas are the actual human beings who have dedicated their lives to the healing of humanity through the healing of the self. And part of how we do that is by practicing these techniques as well as by teaching them to other human beings. Did that answer your question? It absolutely did, yeah. I just wanted to make sure that the listeners knew exactly what you're talking about i know what you're talking about but yeah no i appreciate that that's good um so so i went to north carolina and i started to study there my family and my community thought you know i was always a little weird um i was always you know <laughs> i was always doing all this interesting stuff that nobody else knew anything about that was a little bit freaky to people and especially my um, conservative family members and, and the Christian family members. Interestingly enough, my grandparents, who were very conservatively Christian, came to visit me and were very happy with what they saw in me and in the community that I was a part of. 
and I was able to connect with my grandmother in a way regarding my relationship to God during that time and ongoing after that, um, that she not only, she knew I wasn't just paying lip service. She knew I was tuning back into consciousness for her. That meant God, you know, for her, it meant a certain thing. Uh, Jesus, God, you know, the thing that she had devoted her life to, but she and I were able to connect in a way where she could palpably feel it. She could see it coming out of my eyes. She knew that I was no longer in distress and suffering and that I had found something that was working. And over time, others heard it in my voice and saw it in my face and felt it in my energy as well. Now, we would say, wouldn't it be lovely if it, the story ended there and things were blissful from then on out? But life continues to unfold, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, so something I would like to add to that is, um, yeah, I know all the listeners can just feel your energy through your voice and it, how it flows so smoothly and just calm and it's like fluid, you know. Um, and for me, the with the meditation practice, it absolutely shines through you. It's it's not. It's not something that you're changing throughout your day. It's changing your frequency and your, like you were saying, the pathways of your mind. So you start to become a nicer person, a calmer person, more connected and more, um, you know, reserved in seeing, seeing external events. This is my experience is seeing external events for something that's just floating by and that you get to witness. It's not something that you have to participate in anymore. Right. Mm, that's great. Yeah. And there's a lot of science behind how that works. You know, the, the physiological implications of getting your eyes closed on a regular basis, as well as, as you know, the practice that we share has an open-eyed component. And even when I'm not teaching that particular flavor of meditation and just doing an intro thing where I'm sharing some basic uh, techniques with people, I always impress, do my best to impress that we can engage this with eyes open so even though what you just said is true i don't have to try to change in the way that i used to try to change that unfolds organically and naturally and beautifully by me just staying present but how does one stay present how does one let go how does one surrender those are lofty notions unless you you have memorized the active engagement of now and the way that I learned how to do that was through using techniques that helped me bring my attention back to now. And when my attention is in now, I'm not trying to let go. I'm not trying to surrender. I'm not trying to be better. I just am. I just have let go. I'm like, there's no me in there trying to manage and control the universe now because I'm present. I've tuned back into that infinite field of consciousness. And again, these are all big lofty notions for someone who hasn't actually attained the experience themselves. And ongoing, I've, I've continued education with my teacher because as you said, yes, there are so many ways that we can move through life and recognize I'm not responding or engaging in those things the way that I would have and gotten involved in the dramas and things like that. But also... I'm more aware of the beauty and the preciousness and the magic and the perfection and even the most challenging things such as the death of my sister and my father in the last couple of years or um, 
being in the middle of giving birth to a child and uh, when you're present, it doesn't make everything rosy, you know, it, it, it amplifies the aliveness and sometimes that can be feelings of being pissed off and that injustice, you know, or injustice rather. It can be caring. It can be recognizing that I care too much about something and needing to set a boundary. It can be saying no. It can be hard. You look harsh to people who are used to you being a sucker. You know what I mean? I mean, you show up life for life differently, but you also begin to see where you weren't engaging and where you don't need to engage anymore. Both of those things are true. And then you also find the most peaceful part of right now where I, I, you know, where it's like in those peak moments that Abraham Maslow talks about. And in those moments, when someone is just dissolved in what they're doing, whether they're painting or doing what you and I are doing right now, or um, rocking out on a stage or walking through nature or whatever it is that does this for a human. Um, there's a sense of perfection about the moment. The body is relaxed. The mind is alert. There's no sense of me needing to change anything about right now. I don't have any thoughts of me actually in those moments. There's just an isness, a beingness, an aliveness, a presence, period. And, and a noticing of the natural unfolding of things. And so that's a continual discovery, you know? I thought that when I became aware of how to choose to put my attention on that the first time in, you know, in, in 2000 or 1999, that I would never see, you know, that all of a sudden all of my quirks, all of my habits, all of the bad things that I wanted to get rid of would be gone once and for all, and that I would never have any challenges come up or, or um, people be mean to me or that I wouldn't have to set a boundary. Everything would just be exactly as I thought it should be in the moment that I thought it should be that way. That's what I thought it was going to be like, Randoline. And you know, I have found lots of people think the same thing. They don't know that they think that, but as soon as the shit hits the fan, they're like, uh-oh, my practice isn't working anymore. Well, this is amazing opportunity for us to go. Where's the most peaceful part of right now, even though the shit's hitting the fan, which is exactly what I've had to do. And all of the many various amazing, big, crazy things that life just wants to present. And do you know what I've found, especially after these uh, deaths that I've gone through, is that they all of that big stuff if you're willing to keep doing your practice through it and notice where you're judging that it shouldn't be that way and you gotta you gotta notice that that's crucial for growth you don't just spiritually conceptualize and talk yourself out of being pissed about something that's not the way to go you don't just spiritually conceptualize how you sh you know you should be different in some moment than you actually authentically are you look for the most peaceful quality of right now and you let yourself be, you let the universe be as it is, including yourself. Yeah. And then there's this aliveness and this passionate aliveness so that in the middle of a Pat Benatar concert, like I was like last weekend, whenever, two weekends ago, and you see this unified field of consciousness and you tune into that, you're just tuned into that and you're vibing with that. And occasional, and you see how 
like everybody else's attention is on the music. For that moment in time, nobody's thinking about politics or their weight or their issues. It's, it's just a, a unified attentiveness. And when enough people, Brandoline, are unifiedly attentive to the most peaceful quality of right now, we're going to have a major shift in consciousness on this planet, which is already in the middle of taking place. And I know you know that. Yeah. I, I love that you said that about the concert because um, my husband and I just did a podcast together and we were talking about energy and how, um, you know, one person could be, could start a bar fight. And in the end, the whole bar could be in a fight versus like what you're saying is everybody's attentive at that moment or, or at a motivational speaking event or at a church, at a sermon of a church, like everybody's, they, they get in that same alignment, that same frequency, and they, they're all vibrating that same vibration. And you know, I'm really big into the law of attraction. So it's all energy is moving, you know, on, on our behalf. And so I love that you say, if we can all get into that conscious feeling that surrender that moment and and just be that's when we're shifting and that's why we always say be the change you wish to see and and you're saying that that's what you're doing by practicing your practice right absolutely and it's so much simpler you know it's so much simpler than i ever thought it was i thought there were all these complicated steps you do need a tool to help and some guidance to help you learn how to do that because the mind is so subtle, you'll just be in there talking to yourself, like, I'm doing it right, I'm doing it wrong, I'm doing it right, I'm doing it wrong, and really just spinning your reels, you know, until someone can say to you, yeah, that's it right there, keep going, and then, and then also sometimes say, you know, that's beautiful, but that's not quite right, and I've needed that, I've needed that all these years, because the experience of life keeps changing, I've memorized that beautiful place. I know what it's like, but it, there are moments when it's really easy to think that I'm just a person and I'm separate from love. I'm separate from abundance. I'm separate from God. I'm separate from you. You know, when I put my attention in that, in that field of consciousness and the most peaceful quality of right now, right. Who give, who cares? None of that matters. None of that can, is possible. None of it's possible. Um, it's like, you, you know, it's amazing. It's just, it's just a shift of attention. And that's why I say it's super simple. It's not all these steps that I have to take, but sometimes we're really stubborn and we're also really habit, deeply habitually ingrained to leave the moment, to make things hard, to not value anything unless it's hard. And so I would invite your listeners to, hello, all you beautiful people, and just invite you to you know, recover from making things really hard and embrace that it's just a subtle shift of attention. And if that feels too difficult, to please find a really excellent tool that works to bring you back to the present moment and some good guidance to help remind you, you know, to keep you on the right track. Because um, the ego, the voice of the ego is insidious. And, um, you know, the voice of, of, um, of the universe is far more subtle. And so it's very easy for the mind to become distracted. And, uh, and we all need one another. We're all rising together. We all need those who've gone before us and those who are coming up behind us. We're all in this together. So I implore you to take a break from making things hard 
to, but to get qualified assistance and, and make in, in recovering so that you can let things be like, let this, this shift, this vibing up, you know, be just about where you're shifting and putting your attention. So how, um, for beginners, how often would you encourage them? Um, or is there a tip that you could give them to, uh, start a practice? Yeah, I, I mean, the, the thing is, is that if somebody is practicing um, at least once a day for 20 minutes, they're going to see a significant change, hugely significant change in their relationship to their mind, their emotions, their life. And that physiologically speaking, at about 18 to 20 minutes, the nervous system has a chance to kind of reset itself in the circadian rhythm and I don't remember all the details about it. I just know that there it's a, it's a magical point. Now you certainly can do it for longer and um, you can also do it for shorter. I, you know, the mind will come up with a gads of excuses for why you can't get it in today. Trust me, I've been there. Um, but you could sit down for five or 10 minutes and follow the breath or use a mantra whatever you need to do, whatever's, whatever you, you know, I, I don't recommend audios for the long run. I think that in order to become truly masterful and get to know that still silent space within, you can't have somebody talking to you in your ears. You got to let your sense of hearing turn within as well and take a break from that because the true state of meditation is all the senses turned within. And in order to get really familiar with that state so you can choose to enter it whenever you want to rather than having to take a long time to get there um which is absolutely possible folks you've got to consistently have some closed-eyed silent meditation time i'm not saying don't do other things i'm saying make sure you give yourself the gift of that and if you think you can't do it please hit me up so i can prove you wrong yeah i 100 percent <laughs> agree with the 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 quiet meditation. Um, I encourage my intuition and mediumship development students to do that because it is about being aware of your thoughts and you can't be aware of your thoughts. You know, if you're preventing them from bubbling up by doing, you know, uh, all the, always doing guided meditations in my, opinion. yeah, yeah, totally. Then you can shift. You can become aware like, Oh, I'm obsessed about the past. I'm obsessed about the future. I tend to obsess over this particular thing so that you can protect yourself. Oh, that's coming up again. That's just an old habit. Now this is what I'm going to think instead, or I'm going to go get my eyes closed. And so you can become more masterful. Like you just said. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree with that. That's beautiful. So I think that, um, well, I know that I would love for you to share, you know, how to get a hold of you and like, you know, I know that we're, we're local to Traverse City, Michigan. So, I mean, share what you do locally or how people can connect with you locally and then um, about any, anything that you have online and how to connect with you. Yeah, well, right now I'm not doing a whole lot live locally. It's summertime with kids. But as time goes on, I do, um, I certainly work with private clients right now which is buying packages of private meditation sessions. Sometimes there's other stuff thrown in there too, like um, supporting people on discovering how to really 
step onto and deepen their spiritual journey a bit like what you do brain wound and mentor people in that so I have people you know I, I make them work with me at least a minimum of six weeks but six months is really you know for somebody to stabilize a, a, a good practice is a good amount of time to think about working with someone in that way um, but I do online meditation how to meditate and uh, always there's an open-eyed component to that. I have a couple of programs running right now and, and I will ongoing be doing online and live meditation trainings, whether it's weekend events or um, these longer term four or six week how to meditate. And then also I'm doing, um, I'm doing trainings where I'm teaching other people how to share meditation with others as there's been a great call for that. And especially with the current situations in our world where, you know, this is a fundamental piece to healing, whether it's poverty issues or abuse issues or, um, you know, I, I don't want to get political at all, but, you know, there's just a lot going on in the world. There, are, There's always a lot going on. And if we can give kids if we can get teachers learning how to share meditation and mindfulness techniques, so, you know, parents, anybody who teaches yoga should know how to teach meditation effectively from a qualified teacher. Um, anybody who's doing any coaching or counseling. So I'm, I'm just reaching out to those demographics of people and trying to get as many people as I can trained obviously people are more effective at sharing meditation if they're actually doing it themselves and sharing open-eyed technique if they're doing it themselves um, but i'm almost i'm almost to the point randoline where i see a need right now for people to whether they're doing it or not just get it out there and then the people who are really going to have the most profound um it, this is how we're going to shift consciousness really, yeah well you know? i like your approach on um you know, reaching out to other teachers and coaches because that I think is gonna explode your reach because you're reaching out to somebody that already has a following, you know, whether it's a kindergarten teacher or a spiritual business coach or, you know, you know, or or somebody in charge of the whole recovery center, you know. I, I think that's a beautiful approach. Yeah, so it feels like, thank you, thank you. And um, I really, I had a download at that Pat Benatar concert. I got to tell you guys, I I always have downloads at concerts. I like always do. And what I heard was, and some of it was triggered by something she said right before she sang her famous song, Hell is for Children. She said, we, we how she shared how they wrote the song and then that some tragedy had befallen our country regarding children at, in the 80s and they were horrified and so they wrote this song and that she said that she they stand in solidarity with children anywhere in the world at this time who are in harm's way and can't protect themselves and that it was their deepest hope and prayer that someday soon they would never have to sing this song again of course I got the chills and got tears in my eyes and I just went into this prayerful state kind of eyes closed, hands in prayer position, moving around to the song and tears running down my eyes and feeling really grounded and really powerful at the same time. And I just heard, you really have to get this out there. This is how you're going to help that situation that you were in, 
that, you know, which is why I was vulnerable and shared what I shared today, because I don't like talking about it. I don't want to get into heavy vibes with people, but man, that's where I came from was craziness. And, um, and it's turned into something beautiful, including my ability to have empathy and compassion for those who are suffering. And um, that also to show them that somebody who came from insanity, PTSD, I mean, I would shake and cry anytime anybody raised their voice as a young girl, as a child. I'd go into um, the freeze mode and not be able to think straight. And it, it actually can still happen you know, now, occasionally. But um, to just be vulnerable about that and just to say, yeah, the download was just keep pushing it out there, get it out there, give it, give it to the people and start empowering more people to share it, you know, so that's what I'm doing. That's beautiful. And thank you for being vulnerable because I feel like that's, that's your authentic, your authenticity. And that's what attracts people to you. And it's, I always say your darkest moment is your brightest light, you know? And so you know, you sign up for that hard shit so that you could be here to help everybody else that's going through that right now. You know, when you were that little girl and you saw that book that said Hatha Yoga, now you're that book. You know, I get the goosebumps saying that. You're the you're the book with the golden pages now, you know? Oh, you're making me cry. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. It's my mythic adventure. And and I think, I hope, I think that I still have at least another 40, 50, maybe even 60 years left on the planet. And um, yeah, good Lord, Brandoline, we're going to get to see some really cool stuff. As That's, you know, It's the most exciting time to have a human experience. <laughs> totally. It is. It really is. Oh my gosh. Well, <sighs> tell these lovely listeners, how can they find you out there on the internet? Like what is your website or how, how can they reach out to you? Do you have a Facebook page? Yeah, right now it's, um, I don't have like a public, well, it's just a private page, uh, Rodasi Campbell on Facebook, but please find me on Rodasi Campbell on Facebook and also RodasiCampbell.com. It's an ever evolving thing right now, my website, but you get the gist of it and you can contact me there. I mean, it's super easy to contact somebody on Facebook. Um, and uh, really, truly, that would be the best way to reach me is, is um, through the Facebook messenger anyway. So beautiful. So it's R O D A S I C A M P B E L L.com. And I'll also put it in the show notes. So um, the listeners can go to the show notes and have a link to your website. And, and, oh, I just love you. I'm so glad we got to share this time together and for you to be on the podcast and share about consciousness on craving consciousness, right? Yeah, I love the title of the show and I love you so much. You've been such an awesome, supportive um, soul sister and you know, peer and student, you've been all those things for me to me with me on this journey. And just thank you so much, Brandon. You are so welcome. Thanks for being on our show. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know someone else who is spiritually awakened or igniting a world changing brand, please send them my way. 
It will benefit the world if you help me get this pod and message to as many listeners as I can. Again, if you liked what you heard, it would mean a lot to me if you took 30 seconds to leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I will be forever grateful. Until the next episode, stay present, stay grounded, and shine your light.